Welcome to Stack Attack, the PEI Public Library Services podcast on books, culture, and everything related to the world of libraries. July 16th to 24th is Pride Week here on PEI, and on our episode today, we have Vanessa Bradley and Scott Allen from Peers Alliance, and Lucky Fusca from Pride PEI. Vanessa and Scott will be chatting with Crystal about some of the programs and resources that serve 2S LGBTQIA islanders and their families. And Lucky joins me to talk about PEI Pride Festival's return to in-person events and the importance of representation both in our communities and the media we consume. It's a very full episode today, folks, because we had such great conversations with our guests. But make sure to stick around for the end of the episode where we debut a new segment called Book Picks. First up, we have Crystal in conversation with Vanessa and Scott. Hi, it's uh, Crystal Dion, the Adult Services Librarian at the Charlottetown Library Learning Center, and I'm here with two folks from Peers Alliance, Vanessa Bradley, who's the Community Education and Engagement Manager, and Scott Allen, who is the Youth Program Coordinator, and we're just going to chat a little bit about their organization, things that are coming up for Pride Week. So can you guys tell me a little bit about Peers Alliance and what they do? So our organization pretty much strives to address the underlying issues affecting the health and welfare of our communities. We do this by countering stigma and creating environments where everyone is welcome. Uh, Peers Alliance also serves people of all genders and sexual orientations in the promotion of sexual health and well-being. Uh, we pr- support and promote uh, harm reduction strategies to people who use drugs so they can work to reduce the risk of negative health outcomes. We're really here just to work with the community and uh, see what we can do to help them. Do you wanna add anything there, Vanessa? Or? So we have our harm reduction aspect and then we have the 2S LGBTQ plus programming. And it's just really a fabulous organization. We all work really well together. And I mean, I have loved my part working with youth and I'm looking forward to kind of digging into some more community education, which is also a big aspect of what we do. Maybe you guys can let us know about some of the programs that you offer here in Charlottetown and perhaps across the island a little bit as well. Absolutely. So I would love to talk a little bit about our programming and kind of some of the new programs that we've been offered. Actually, a cornerstone of Peers Alliance Youth Programming has been the Queer Youth Collective. So that started in 2016 and it's been going strong. It is an incredible program. We have one in Summerside and one in Charlottetown. So we do twice a month in Charlottetown, twice a month in Summerside. And it is just a safe affirming space for any LGBTQ youth and ally to come and to join us for programming. There's snacks, there's games. We have anonymous discussion as well, which I think is just really important for youth figuring out who they are, you know, dealing with some of the really difficult things that to us LGBTQ plus youth deal with nowadays. And we're actually hoping to potentially start a QIC in Montague this year as well. Yeah, that would be awesome to offer such a great program in more places. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, and just to build off of uh, like that core that we've done, we have some new programs too. We have Roots and Shoots, which has been around for quite a while, and that's for trans youth 12 and under and their parents. And it's kind of like a group where they can come in and uh, hang out and and learn how to support their youth and then we also have saplings that just started that's for trans youth for 13 to 18 for them to find community and build community and then buds is for 19 plus that just started 
On top of that, <laughs> we also started a queer youth drop-in program where queer youth can just come in, hang out. There's no structured time at all. It's completely unstructured. I have a, a library with over 350 books that they can like choose from and cruise from, a Nintendo Switch, a bunch of other stuff like crafts and, and stuff that they can utilize to like do art on and as well. And then what I'm also very, very, very excited about at the end of the summer from September 1st to 4th, we're actually doing the first PEI queer stayaway camp at Camp Abiguit, and it's going to be called Camp Aspen, and the youth decided on that name, and that's going to be for youth 14 to 18, and it's going to be exactly like a every camp experience, but for queer youth, so they can feel safe and, and enjoy that time just like everyone else. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, we're really, really excited about that one. And we also, so we just started, we actually are partnering with the PEI Writers Guild. We're running a queer writing club, which is brand new. We've had two meetings and a lot of interest, which has been really fantastic. And so basically what we're doing with that is we're meeting twice a month and it's going to be one of our few programs that meets throughout the summer. So we generally take a break because, you know, it's a lot of work, but throughout the summer, this is one program that we're still going to be offering for the youth. And we're really, really excited about that. The, the cool cornerstone of the Queer Writing Club project is that based on the grant that we received from the PI Alliance for Mental Wellbeing, we're actually able to publish an anthology of youth work, which we're really, really thrilled for. And the youth are very excited to have their work published. So that's another one of the cool projects that we have going on right now at Peers. Well, I will tell you, one of my new responsibilities is purchasing items for the PEI collection. So <laughs> when the anthology gets published, let's talk. <laughs> yes, we were definitely meaning to reach out. So this works out perfectly. <laughs> so I know it's coming up in July. Pride Week is happening this year from July 16th to 24th. I'm just wondering if you guys want to talk about any of the events that you might be offering or partnering with other organizations that week. One that we're definitely um, really excited for, uh, one of our new youth program coordinators, Hannah, who's jo just joined us, is going to be partnering with Pride PI to run a Rainbow Carnival Youth Dance on uh, Thursday, July 21st, and that's for youth 12 to 18, and um, there's going to be like cotton candy and prizes and games, and it's just going to be an amazing time. That's going to be at the Carriage House, I believe, and there'll be more information on that. I think we've posted that on our, our socials already, so take a look at our Instagram for more information. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a really, really fun time. It's very exciting. We have the event right up so folks can register. And then one event that's been happening, I believe for the past five years or so is Outspoken. So it's a poetry slam and basically queer folks get together, listen to incredible other queer folks, read poetry. And it's a really fun competition. The poetry is incredible. Like the energy in the room. I got to be a guest judge last year and it was one of the coolest experiences. So we aren't sure of the date yet, but we do know that we're partnering with the library. So the library is going to be hosting the event and we're really, really thrilled for that. So Crystal, is there anything else that you wanted to add about Outspoken? As you said, we're not sure of the date, so pay attention to everyone's social medias, peers, and um, the PEI Public Library Service to find out for sure. But yeah, it's going to be the first event in our new giant event space, which is beautiful and large with great windows, and I'm also really looking forward to it. So that's going to be great. And yes, I'm going to tie in some library-related questions now, ask you guys about what you've been reading or what you might have to recommend for others. So you can each speak to this if you'd like to share a favorite to us LGBTQ plus themed book or any other sort of title that you'd that you'd like to recommend or share? 
Absolutely. So I love reading. I love books. Clearly I run a writing club, but one of my favorite queer youth books is actually a young adult book. It's called When the Moon Was Ours by Anna Marie McLemore. It's an absolutely fabulous book. It is, it is very queer. So there's a focus on queerness, but there's also such a focus on identity and family. And it's just beautifully written. It's um, magical realism. And I would absolutely recommend it to youth and adults alike. And then another one of my favorites that I read recently, which is not for youth, is called This is How You Lose the Time War. And it's basically like two gay time traveling operatives on opposite sides of a time war. And it's pretty fabulous. So that was one of my favorite books that I read last year. And I'm, it was so good. I'm going to reread it this year. So would recommend. Do you have a, a couple that you want to share as well, Scott? I definitely do. So I kind of grew up at the library. My mom was a librarian. And instead of before and after care, I'd just go and get lost in the stacks till she was off work. And so like library is home for me. I I'm not as much of a writer as Vanessa is, but I do have, you know, special place in, in libraries and books. But my absolute favorite youth book that I, I love to recommend is Julian is a Mermaid by Jessica Love. And the artwork in it is just absolutely beautiful. And it's just really reaffirming for youth to be able to express themselves and in their own beautiful way. So that's definitely one that I really, really really enjoy um, and I give to all my nieces and nephews and I have 14 of them now so everyone have has a copy <laughs> and then one that I, I always recommend to people that I really I actually read this every day before my morning meditation because it kind of gets me in this really great headspace is the Julie Passier Lush um, new book the epitaph uh, Mi'kmaq poetry so that one is just absolutely amazing and I, I love it and I go to it almost every single day and then I have one last one that I'm reading currently that I just it, it speaks to my wonderful nerdism, I guess, and it's Thrawn um, by Timothy Zahn, the Star Wars book. So it's just a, a great, uh, fun, you know, sci-fi book that I, I'm really enjoying right now. Well, thank you both so much for joining me, taking time out of your day to have a chat. For our listeners, you should head over to the Peers Alliance website, their Facebook page, their Instagram account under Peers Alliance. Check out what's going on. Sounds like they've got a lot of great programs continuing and starting up. So yeah, thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Crystal Dion in conversation with Vanessa Bradley and Scott Allen from Peers Alliance. And just to note that the Outspoken Pride Poetry Slam has been now scheduled for Wednesday, July 20th from 7 to 9 p.m. and will be happening at the Charlottetown Library Learning Center. All right, folks, my name is Alicia McDonald, and I am the regional librarian for Eastern PEI. And joining us today on the podcast, we have Lucky Fusca, uh, who is the board chair of Pride PEI. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Lucky. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to take a moment to chat with us um, about Pride PEI, Pride Week, and the PEI Pride Festival 2022. And of course, we're going to try to tie it all in together with some book talk at the end as well. <laughs> so just to start, could you maybe tell us just a little bit about Pride PEI? So one of the biggest things that we try to accomplish as an organization is advocacy for the community, as well as hosting the festival itself, which, like you said, is upcoming very quickly, which we're all very excited about. Part of the festival is really to celebrate queer joy and, and the queer community on Prince Edward Island. Oftentimes, people will very much center the work that needs to be done in the community, which is extremely important. I think festival is a wonderful time for folks to come together and give us an opportunity to heal. Healing often happens where there's joy and where there's love and where there's community. So 
we're really looking at what it looks like to decolonize the board. And, and part of that comes with, based on the information that I've gathered through other board members, it comes with centering love and centering community care. So we're hoping that we'll kind of bring both of those themes into this year's festival and give the space to really just get back together. It's been a long time. Some of the resources that I'd actually really love to highlight, and it kind of speaks to what we were just talking about, because there's almost two sides to pride. And like I said, in terms of the advocacy part, while also understanding what Pride's wheelhouse is. So we'll back up a little bit. Pride is an organization. It's a nonprofit that's run right now by a group of volunteers, including myself, through the board of directors. We just hired somebody on Tyler Murnion as a festival director who's in an amazing paid position to help the board kind of move it away from a working board to a board that's there to see out the vision, the overall vision and the morals and the values of Pride PEI. So with a volunteer capacity, there's not a whole ton in, in the world of reality that we can do in terms of making change. So something I'd really like to highlight and give gratitude uh, towards are several organizations on Prince Edward Island that are doing the work full year like all year round kind of thing. So Here's Alliance is one that I have just the highest thoughts on. I think they're incredible. Everyone that I've met there is just an amazing human being who's really putting in incredible work. They have a bunch of amazing programs to really service the community and um, speak to the problems that we still see day to day. Another one, which is brand new baby organization, the PI Transgender Network, where I'm actually starting my first day today with PITN, so I'm very excited and uh, honored to announce that I'm the new executive director. Oh, wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And just to highlight and, and um, celebrate Ali and Min and the work that he's done with PITN so far. Ali is going to be headed out to Nova Scotia to complete his medical degree at Dalhousie oh, University. Wow. So. It just, I, I like, I'm vibrating with excitement for him. I'm really excited to do the transfer of power here with him and then hit the ground running, actually doing kind of work day to day with within the transgender community on PI. So those two organizations would be ones that I would like to center and highlight in terms of the resources that they put in. Pride PI does rely on Peers Alliance heavily in terms of the funding that they provide, as well as the resources that they provide with their staff information they're constantly posting very digestible, very accessible information for folks in the community. So, yeah. So Pride Month is typically June and PEI does Pride Week in July. Is there a reason behind that decision that has been historically done that way or just that's the way it worked out or? So based on what I understand, Pride actually, in terms of PEI Pride, had intentionally made some space so that there wasn't any overlap, especially with the maritime uh, provinces and when they generally celebrate pride. Uh, kind of on top of that, and something I'd like to bring to the town hall, as well as potentially the AGM if it's relevant, but it is Indigenous History Month in June. I don't think that that is historically why Pride PI has chosen to do Pride in July, but I do think going forward, it is something that we should center and focus on and be there to uplift um, the voices within the Indigenous community on Prince Edward Island. So yeah, in short, I guess, it, it was really just to make space for no overlap with the other prides happening across the country. But right. I think some room for conversation there around what Pride PI can be doing to center and uplift the voices of racialized folks on the island. 
Right. Just a question for anyone who might not be familiar with Pride and who might not know kind of what to expect. Who is Pride for and who would you suggest come out to Pride events? Pride is for everybody, especially folks like I would say within the queer community, but it's for allies as well. It's also for folks that might still be living in the box of fear and we're trying to encourage into the box of love. I think Pride is a great space for folks that haven't really been engaged with the queer community at all. They might have some concerns. There's been some posts kind of surfacing around a church in Summerside recently, encouraging some folks to stay away from Pride this year and how to protect their children um, from the events that are happening at Pride. So I'd love to take this opportunity to say that they're really proud to offer a really cool lineup of events that are family friendly. Not all of our events are going to be catered towards younger families because there will be some events like Pride After Dark. It's held at the Delta. There will be liquor involved. So obviously it's going to be an age limit there, but we've got a handful of events. We've got some seal watching tours um, where a couple drag queens, the House of Joe's just going to be going out to sea and facilitating a really fun seal watching tour. So that'll be a small group, which will be very accessible for folks in regards to COVID. And again, very family friendly. I'm going to be hosting a RuPaz Canine Drag Race, which is the island's first queer run dog show, which will be super fun. Again, this is going to be a very friendly event as it pertains to having smaller children around or younger families. So we really want to encourage folks to come out regardless of age and see what it's about. I think the more you get to know the community, again, like fear, I think a lot of the time comes from what you don't know. I feel like that's been well established in a lot of conversations just globally. I do stand by that as something that makes sense to me. And the more you get to know something, for instance, I'm a diver. The first time I went diving with sharks, I was pretty scared before I got into the water. Like pretty scared doesn't really do it justice. I was like really shaken in my boots. And the second I got in the water and I looked around and was you know, came to that realization that sharks are actually extremely intelligent creatures. They're smarter than dogs. My fear just kind of melted away and I was able to sit there and embrace the experience. So I think anyone who's maybe a little bit on the fence, they're concerned, come out to Pride, get to know the community. And I think they'll find very quickly that we're just like them in terms of being a human being on this planet, trying to survive and Really, all we need is love and more love. Awesome. Thank you. And also, that's incredibly badass. Um, <laughs> being uh, Diving with sharks. I have a hard time, like, just being in the ocean. Yeah. I think there's something about um, the life that I've lived, that there's a certain amount of bravery that's been required. And so when I can focus it on something that is outside of my person, there's something that feels it's almost safe or familiar in that, which is probably something I should bring to my therapist. But <laughs> at the same time, um, I think those moments where you are able to put yourself outside your comfort zone, like when you feel ready to do so, and you overcome those fears, like it's, it's something that's one of the most rewarding parts of life as well. Excellent. Thank you. If you had to recommend just one event for someone to attend, which one would you suggest? Like, what's the... Ooh, that's a toughie. That's a good question. <laughs> if I could only recommend one, I would probably say 
of the parade. And the reason I say that is I came out much later in life. I didn't come out until 2019, which I think made me about 26, maybe 27 at the time. And one of the things that I think slowly but surely helped me to feel more comfortable internally and find that space where I could go back inside go back to my childhood and and come to my own realizations in my career discovery journey was the opportunity to attend the parades that I attended for probably eight years straight in Halifax. I was born in Toronto. I moved to Halifax when I was probably 17 years old. And every year that I lived there for eight to 10 years, however long it was, I just happened to come up on the parade. It was usually kind of serendipitously by accident. Sometimes right. I plan to go but in seeing the community come together and seeing that amount of love and pride like there's a reason why the word pride is is kind of a global thing why we're called pride PEI when somebody like myself I was born in the early 90s and I think it's like still a thing that's going on unfortunately in terms of the the notion of coming out of the closet there's a lot of shame that exists. Mm-hmm. Shame is an unfortunately very ugly most times emotion and can keep people in that state of hiding. I don't want the world to see who I truly am. And so I'm going to even block it out from myself and my own self-perception and seeing so many people marching in the streets, being so proud of who they are. I feel like it lit a fire inside of my heart and my soul to be like, Maybe there's something that's resonating here with you. And it took a long time, but for me, the parade was always a very special gathering. So if I had to only choose one, although I would choose many if I could, (laughs) I had to only choose one, it would probably be the parade. Excellent. Thank you. And so actually that kind of really leads into my next question and just talking about the importance of representation. You know, Pride started initially as a protest with the Stonewall riots, and it takes many different forms staying. um, And so... Yeah, one thing that I hear from folks is it's an important event because it highlights that sense of community of belonging and of seeing yourself represented in others around you, that you're part of that bigger community, you're not alone. And so I would ask, how do you feel like that extends to the media we consume? So that is like for someone to be able to see themselves in movies, TV shows, and especially in the context of libraries and the books they read, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Representation to me has been one of the most crucial parts of my, especially in my gender identity experience and and the awakenings and realizations that I've had there. So interestingly enough, a few years ago, there's a very special individual who's one of my closest friends here on PEI. They were the first person to ever use the term non-binary. It's the first time I'd ever heard that word. And this was only a few years ago. Non-binary people have existed for a very, 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 very long time. But it wasn't until a few years ago that I heard that word and there was something that just like clicked inside of my mind because I'd always from a very very young age had been aware that there was something out of alignment I didn't feel totally right being identified as an AFAB individual and so to have just access to the language was something that like my mind did like a 180 of wait a minute maybe there's something I need to go back and investigate and there was, which was um, amazing and very integral to my coming out as um, transgender. I'm also 
in terms of like representation, I'm proud to be the first non-binary individual to sit as the chair of this board, which I do feel a little bit of added pressure on because I know what it's like in terms of representation. And I hope that the work that I do here is something that, especially the kids in the community, the gender non-conforming kids that is, can maybe look up to me in the work that I've done and say, look, if this person can do it, maybe someday I can too. In terms of like media, the other day I was watching the Umbrella Academy. I don't know if you've seen it yet or not. It's actually a series written by one of my favorite music artists. I was definitely one of those angsty punk kids growing up. So My Chemical Romance, Gerard Way is the person who wrote um, the series of comic books, which I've been wanting to pick up recently because I love comic books as well. But in the third season, and not to give too much away, but one of the starring actors for this entire series is Elliot Page. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe Elliot Page went through his transition between the second and third seasons. So we have this moment, and it's the first time I've ever seen it represented through a TV show or in this kind of way through media in like a coming out to his family kind of moment. Right. Like, when I tell you, I've never experienced that kind of like full body goosebumps before. It was so special to me, definitely brought a bunch of tears to my eyes and to feel like I see myself not exactly the way that it's happened for me, but that is representation that helps folks, especially within the gender non-conforming community to say, okay, like it's a little bit of a guideline right. <laughs> versus just some information that can help me kind of move through my own process in life. Right. Do you have any books that were important to you in regards of representation or also just any 2S LGBTQIA plus themed books that you enjoyed or would recommend to people wanting to kind of broaden their horizons or looking for their next great read kind of thing? Absolutely. So there's one actually that this was recommended to me recently and it's one speaking on the theme of representation, but more along the lines of just straight up healthcare. So it's called Girl Sex 101 and it's written by Allison Moon. So this one kind of goes through a bunch of different themes. They talk about consent. They talk about like pretty, I want to say basic anatomy, stuff that would have been accessible in most health classes in terms of like elementary to high school. They go through safer sex. And then in chapter 10, they talk about identity and integrity. So that's like really what uh, all of it was really significant to me in terms of I went to a very, um, it was Augustinian, which is basically Catholic high school. I think a lot of my experience there is part of the reason why it took me as long as it did to come out, not to get too off the rails there, but the sex education program that we had in that school, and it's very common within Catholic or, or religious-based institutions, is it's pretty abysmal in terms of the, the health classes that they're providing and the information that they're providing. The approach that I was taught was very much centered around, just don't do it until you're married, <laughs> which is horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so to think about, okay, so this is a book that I'm reading that's written by a queer person on how, like, how to navigate a sexual dynamic between two AFAB people, which was mind-blowing to me in a lot of ways in terms of just having access to that information, thinking right. about with my high school self and healing that high school self of here's mm -hmm. the information that should have been given to you. It wasn't given to you, but here you are as your adult self finding it and we can go over this again. But the chapter 10 is really what 
struck a personal chord with me because it does talk about identity and the integrity there. So things that you don't really think about, again, I'm 28 years old, this has never come up for me. And it's talking about the dynamic of what would you like me to refer in terms of calling your body parts? How would you be like feel most comfortable in terms of me addressing different parts of your body? Do you want right. me to address certain parts of your body or not? And again, as a trans person, like the notion of that had never even come up to me until I read this. There was a lot of emotion that came along with that. And I almost had to like take a step back and froze and was like, I need to, I need to think about this. I didn't really even think this was an option for me. So what a beautiful moment that was. Yeah. So highly recommend that book, especially to folks that are maybe feeling a little bit hesitant and haven't found their own resources yet as it pertains to sexual relations there but yeah it sounds like a really great book and as you said like so often a lot of that stuff is even even if you do get any of that in school if you're lucky enough to have a decent sex ed program there's going to be like cisgender hetero relationship basis and so it's just going to not necessarily address everyone that's reading it and, and how important that is to to be able to put those ideas and concepts into into your own situation, into what makes sense and what's healthy and helpful for you as well. Again, our many thanks to Lucky for joining us. And if you'd like more information on Pride PEI, uh, make sure you check out pridepei.ca and you can find more information about the organization as well as the festival happening this year. And now, welcome to Book Picks, our segment on the podcast where we bring you book recommendations from library staff across the island. For this episode, we asked staff what two SLGBTQIA plus themed books they would recommend, and we received a ton of great suggestions. You can find the full list of recommended titles in the notes section for this episode. Many thanks to our staff members who sent in their picks. Our first children's recommendation comes to us courtesy of Thea, who recommended Not Quite Narwhal by Jesse Sima, a New York Times bestseller that tells the story of a young unicorn who was born under the sea to a family of narwhals. The subject of the book is not specifically about sexuality or gender, but rather finding your community and accepting people for who they are. Our second children's recommendation comes to you from me, Alicia, Perfectly Norman by Tom Percival. Norman had always been perfectly normal, until one day he grows a pair of wings. Afraid of what people will think, Norman covers them up with a big coat. But can he summon the courage to be himself? While we all might feel afraid about standing out, Perfectly Norman shows that there's nothing better than celebrating what makes you unique. Both of our YA recommendations come to us from Chloe. Book number one is The Girls I've Been by Tess Sharp. Ex-grifter Nora O'Malley, who's 18 and bisexual, finds herself in an uncomfortable situation after her ex-boyfriend Wes walks in on her kissing their mutual friend and her girlfriend Iris. Before the three can work things out, they're taken hostage during a bank robbery in their small California town, and there's no guarantee they'll make it out alive. In order to save Wes and Iris, Nora must confront and make use of a past she's tried to leave behind. And book number two is Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe. 17-year-old Lily Hugh can't remember exactly when the feeling took root, but whenever it started growing, it definitely bloomed the moment she and Kathleen Miller walked under the flashing neon sign of a lesbian bar called the Telegraph Club. Suddenly, everything seemed possible. But America, in 1954, is not a safe space for two girls to fall in love, especially not in Chinatown. Red Scare paranoia threatens everyone, including Chinese Americans like Lily. 
With deportation looming over her father, despite his hard-won citizenship, Lily and Kath risk everything to let their love see the light of day. For adult fiction, the first recommendation is mine, Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Alex Claremont Diaz, son of U.S. President Ellen Claremont, doesn't consider Prince Henry of Wales his arch-nemesis. Not exactly. It's just that Henry is a generic blank canvas with zero personality and a truly unfair resemblance to a real-life Prince Charming, and Alex can't help despising every bland thing about him. After the two have a very public confrontation at a royal wedding, damage control is required from both sides of the pond. In order to maintain friendly international relations, Alex is forced to pretend to be longtime best friends with Henry. When the two actually spend time together, however, they learn that there's much more to the other than they'd realized. As a contentious re-election campaign for Ellen looms on the horizon, Alex and Henry tentatively forge a genuine friendship which grows into more until reaching an inevitable boiling point. And our second recommendation for adult fiction is from Thea, The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. Linus Baker is a by-the-book caseworker in the department in charge of magical youth. He's tasked with determining whether six dangerous magical children are likely to bring about the end of the world. Arthur Parnassus is the master of the orphanage. He would do anything to keep the children safe, even if it means the world will burn and his secrets will come to light. The House in the Cerulean Sea is an enchanting love story about the profound experience of discovering an unlikely family in an unexpected place and realizing that family is yours. Anthea mentions that the reason she suggested this book is not because it features a gay protagonist, but more how Clune normalizes non-heterosexual relationships. It's too often a trope in popular fiction that the protagonist has a sexual awakening when meeting their love interest. But Linus is established as a gay man within the first two chapters of this book. Clune normalizes Linus's growing connection and feelings towards his love interest, Arthur, in a way that people of all sexualities can empathize with, since they're feelings that anyone who has been in love has felt. If you'd prefer adult nonfiction, our first recommendation would be Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Motivational speaker Glennon Doyle writes of divorcing her husband and finding love with Olympic soccer player Abby Wambach and coming out to family and fans in this inspirational memoir. Doyle's previous book concerned her attempt to heal her strained relationship with her husband, Craig, after she learned that he cheated on her. And here, she picks up the narrative a few years later as she starts fresh with the attitude that it's better to disappoint other people than to disappoint oneself. Our second adult nonfiction recommendation is Me by Elton John. This is his first and only official autobiography, which the movie Rocketman was based off of. It's his life story, and it touches on his struggles with his identity and with substance abuse, as well as his time during the AIDS crisis. It's perfect for people who love his music and want a deeper look at his life. And finally, our last recommendations are for adult nonfiction graphic novels. Thea recommended Queer by Meg John Barker, which is a great nonfiction graphic novel that dives deep into queer theory and everything queer that someone may want to know. It's perfect for both folks in the 2S LGBTQIA community and anyone looking to become a better ally. And Crystal recommends Gender, also by Meg John Barker. This book is an incredibly informative and beautifully illustrated introduction to gender and how it's been shaped throughout time by a variety of outside forces. Crystal says she highly recommends this title for anyone who's looking to learn more about gender, recognizing, however, that our understandings will continue to expand as we all continue to learn. Remember, you can find the full list of recommended titles in the notes section for this episode. Check it out and place a hold today. Stack Attack is a production of the PEI Public Library Service. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and maybe you even learned something new. Many thanks to our guests, Vanessa, Scott, and Lucky for taking the time to chat with us. 
and to Crystal Dion for all of her work on the podcast. And as always, we want to hear from you. Share what you're reading to celebrate Pride with us on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And don't forget to check out our library website, library.pe.ca, for the most up-to-date information on library programs and services. Thanks for listening.